Welcome, everyone, to the Literal Fiction Book Club, where we read books so you don't have to. My name is Sam Johnson, and joining me today is... Alex. Troy. Chloe, too. Featuring Chloe. Featuring. Feet me. Yeah. Feet Chloe. Um, Yeah. Can can I be featured every time, please? Yeah. Because I'm featured. You are a feat. You're a feature, I'm not going to put yeah. you featured in the byline, just so you know. I never get put in the byline. That's fucking fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Erase me. What was that movie? Hidden Figures? Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Am I right, ladies? I, anyway, um, if you want to give us your thoughts, responses, tirades, or corrections, leave us a voicemail on our Book Nerds hotline. The number is 1-978-255-3404. Um, so to kick things off, we want to talk about the coronavirus um, I mean, we were torn between that and audiobooks so we went with um i just wanted to be noted the that better one. uh about halfway through this week alex messaged me <laughs> out of the blue and he said uh, are you worried about the coronavirus no and but i could picture you like hey sam are you worried about the coronavirus? Because like, like you were like you were asking Daddy Sam if it's all going to be okay. Well, because here's the thing is with with him that he is uh, always wait, wait you were Sam third person. Sam or... is okay. always a kind of a conservative voice in my life. Like whenever I'm worried about something that's happening in like geopolitical events, without a doubt, he um he's usually the one to kind of poo poo or be like all right, all right, all right. Because like I I am prone to anxiety. I mean, just so you know, me and uh, um. Is this your um, girlfriend you're trying Ash. to think the name of? No, uh, Molly. No, the other one. So Donald Trump. Taylor? Just so you know, <laughs> me and Rick were like going to uh, the store to buy AR. I wanted listeners, to buy an AR-15 that Alex day. Alex has like four friends. For the so coronavirus? Really it. Yeah. You're going to shoot the coronavirus. What were you going to do with guns? Yeah. Uh, no, in case there's mobs no. of people. Like, yeah, mobs man, of people going out man, to leave when the Hampshire. Skelter happens. My man, what you need, you live in the woods, you need canned Hormel chili. I have, That's it. I'm good on the food front, and I'm good on the heat front, because I got a lot of wood. I got a lot of 9-millimeter rounds. Know, baby. <laughs> I got a lot of 9-millimeter rounds. You know what I mean? Like, we're good yeah. on that front, but I was getting a little paranoid. My cat's opening the cabinet, and I'm really mad at him. I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah, that's cool. Does anyone want to adopt a cat? <laughs> <laughs> it really is opening the cabinet. All right. And he's making noise, so yeah, let's go kill him. Yeah, he's making tons of noise. That's crazy. Go put him up for adoption. No, it's because he wants to go up to where the heating area is, which will burn him alive, which is fine. So you're good on the 9mm rounds, right? You have the... (laughs) Yeah, so you're going to shoot the coronavirus. No, I'm going to shoot my neighbors. I don't know why you think that there's going to be, like, what, roves of urban Bostonians coming up to Lee, New Hampshire to steal your shit? I don't know. I was just reading... Your fucking shack, your your closet. Reading all these articles about how the grid was going to go down. Remember when Alex was literally going to shoot his neighbor's dog? Like, when that was a serious option Well, no, but that's not even... When was that? That wasn't unreasonable. Oh, a couple... No, the dog should have gotten shot. No, no, no. I I was within my rights to shoot that dog. You were absolutely within your rights to shoot that dog. This humongous, aggressive dog would get Mm -hmm. loose and would come up to my house and be barking into the house. It was a pit bull. And it would bark into my house. It would stand at the door just barking. And I would come out and it would lunge at me, like snapping and stuff. You should strangle that dog. No, I I had to say, I will shoot the dog. And now they keep it tied up. But that that was... Do you think the dog had the coronavirus? It's kind (gasps) of like... uh, No, I just think... Do animals spread it? I mean, birds animals do. originated. It's yeah, birds, yeah. my it man. Is no, it's bats. Oh, is bats, this one bats? Yeah. It's Those bats. are just the birds of the rat family. That's why it hasn't spread as far because the- uh, Those are bird-ass vermin. Bats don't migrate nearly as far as- no, the, they caved up. Not that many people are eating bats. Also- Yeah. 
probably like the transfer from bat to livestock that we eat is probably pretty like less than like bird to chicken. <laughs> yeah, but they were eating the bat. Yeah, they were eating them. I haven't eaten a bat. Maybe it's great. I mean, I've always thought about trying a bat, but no. Them some sparse little. They wings, carry though. a lot of shit. You'll think again now. Harrogate has a very specific thing where he yeah, is. That trying was a to great catch. fucking wow. Scene. And I'm out. That's right. No, we're not trying. No, we just premature. We prematured on that one. Uh, yeah, Ugh. that was good. That was, that good, was a good one. Yeah, good, it, good callback. That was one of my favorite ones. He just kills oh, like such a fifty bats. <laughs> And they're like, we can't Son, pay for these. <laughs> what is wrong with you? He just goes down to the fucking hospital and is like, can I have $50 for my bag of dead bats? And he's like, the guy's like, well, we did this to get rabies off the streets, not so we, not so you could just slaughter bats. They, they give him a chocolate milk and like yeah. a sandwich. He's just like so happy. A sandwich and like, what was it? Like a dollar ten? Yeah. Yeah. They drink a lot of chocolate milk in this. Yeah, they do. I don't know what's up with that. It's brand new. It was probably very good back then. It was kind of like a treat. Like orange soda. He references orange soda like twice in the book too. Well, so we're we made a we made an injunction last time to actually introduce the book before we start talking about it. Yeah. So let's finish our coronavirus talk up. Chloe looks very upset right now because she's being well, excluded. Like we haven't done the podcast in so long. And it's you know, I don't read the books, so it's like once the once the book happens, I kind of can't be on the podcast anymore. And tonight, that means I got to do folding of laundry because I do our the chore. And I just want to hang out with my friends before I have to go away the and chore. do my chore. It, the chore. Yep. Look at it. It is the chore. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's bad. Yeah. So coronavirus, I, I was a little feeling a little paranoid because I it, it was during the period where I went two, two days straight without sleeping. It was okay, within yeah. that period when I was starting mm. to feel a little tight in the chest about coronavirus i mean i'm i you know i don't think it's something that you shouldn't worry about but we're just not like we're not in the we're in the population if we got sick we'd make it through you know oh it two percent of people die yeah it's very very low mortality and the people who and do you're like get a healthy boy oh listeners I, he's a healthy boy i i have not been afraid for a second that it would kill me not if afraid it was of like that a at all. spine flu, I would watch out. I got swine flu. No, spine flu. Oh, spine flu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Classic. Yeah. Cuz you're kind of like a hunchback, so You are. A very the, healthy hunchback, for, but for the listeners, like a lanky uh, hunchback. I have very bad scoliosis <laughs> with a strawberry co- complexion. But I guarantee you he can deadlift more than you. I really probably can. I can't. That's a direct challenge. I mean, if we want yeah. to set up Wait. a YouTube challenge, separate, listeners, feel free. Separate hotline where listeners call in their numbers, like call in their oh, like. Lifts. I love that. Yeah, I want to know how many of our our listeners can pull over four plates. Our subreddit yeah. exists, right? And it's already being <laughs> populated with lifters. Yeah, no? let's start a subreddit <laughs> with just us. It's just it's just Reuters, like our our, our cool guys on trend. Our subreddit is just us, and it's basically our Instagram group DM where it's just like memes and screaming. Yeah, and sometimes Molly's there. Yeah, Molly's lurking. Molly was like, "I really want to be in your DM. I want to see the memes," but she like doesn't even like share stuff. I she know. likes things. Great. She lurks occasionally. Great. Yeah, she should share more. She should know that she has to try twice as hard. All she really posts is Joanna Newsom memes. Uh, Do you want that? No. Yeah. No. I need to get around to talking to her about harp because she plays. That's cool. She's very good. Yeah. Or yeah, I think she's. I think she's really good. That's a hard ass instrument. She's incredible. Yeah, she practices like three hours a day. It's a random ass instrument. No, it's not. 
it's well, cool. It's pretty. It's pretty out there. It's Most people don't play harp. Mm. There's, there's nothing random there's about nothing it. Nothing random about Molly playing harp, dude. Yeah, oh. she's fixated on right. a harp player. Yep. Okay. Travels around the country. She like Grateful Dead's yeah, Joanna she, Newsom. She does. Philadelphia, New York City, and Texas this year. Like, come on, Jesus. Yeah, she went to Austin to see two of the shows. Austin's Why? a great place to go. I mean, Austin's fun. Yeah. I, don't know. I was a little underwhelmed by Austin when I visited. Really, I I I thought it's it was growing. It was disturbing on the like tech dystopia front, but it was really fun and just being like a a dumb guy who wants to like eat good food and hang out. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the character of the city is very. Sam, weren't you homeless off-putting. there though? Yeah. Is that when you were underwhelmed? I mean, yes, Got but it. it wasn't like it wasn't. I, it I wasn't. Was, it wasn't Jack Kerouac enough for you. <laughs> no, I fucking. No? You weren't Cornelius okay, Sutter. For for what it's worth. I was literally on a train going to be homeless, reading on the road, and I hated it. It's so a, it's a it's good. a mediocre Thank book. Thank God, it well, is what, not what, good. What was the thing I said? You know the quote better than I do. What the incredible thing I said? You're gonna have to give me more than it was that. about like a. You r- say so r- many incredible things. Thank you so much. It was about like a you know books about guys who who lived a life. Yeah, yeah, like that canon of novel. Because I told it's about her a that. guy who lived a life. Speaking like, of, but she actually next. she said that about um uh Hunter S. Thompson, the Fear and oh. Loathing. Yeah, it's a guy That's who lived a life. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's a guy who lived a life, but he happened to do some cool drugs along the way. Like uh, Hunter S. Thompson's it, cool. I'm sure he is cool. I, I he's back in high school. He was like the coolest guy. He became he, a soggy Democrat real quick though. What dude? He was dude. We watched his um. He has a biography documentary on Netflix and Flatnicks. I mean, the things he said about like McGovern and Jimmy Carter My are, man. you know, like, devastating. It's just he just is a Democrat. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. he's this like subversive gonzo yeah. journalist who has the most like milk toast ass. Like, interesting. I know, guess you're right. He was never thing. a socialist. I, I, he I, literally killed himself over George W. Bush being elected. No, he had crippling back pain. Oh, whatever. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> Didn't you read his suicide note? I yeah. remember reading it. He talks about how not. his back hurts and football season's over. Yeah. He killed himself over football season ending more than Which George is cool. W. Bush. See, that's cool. <laughs> that's yeah, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's American. Where was he from? Oh, nowhere good. Right, like middle of Colorado. I have or something. No idea. Like Colorado. I don't know where like he was that. from. I just because he killed himself before like the Tom Brady era. That's true. So he missed out on good football. Yeah. No, yeah, I think he was just like he waited for the season to be over to. Oh. Fucking blast himself. I mean, that was the title of the uh, the piece that Rolling Stone used his suicide note. Is that his right? Football season is over. Is the who wrote it? I mean, he wrote it. Oh, he wrote it, but he didn't write the title. I don't believe. Okay, but I don't. It was a beautiful like, yeah, suicide. In, in note. high school, I th- I yeah. thought he was like the coolest guy ever. He is the coolest. Well, but he was, the, like, yeah. it kind of like fell off for me. I don't know. Really, don't really know why, but like. When I got older, I was like, it was kind of corny. But yeah. I think like. I have never in my life found a guy to be cool. Really? Mm-hmm. Like a single person, guy or girl, to be cool. No? Mm. Interesting. No, like I don't, I can't think of one. Like cool is in like. Like there's people who make things that I like and I'm like, that's dope. Like they are a good maker of things. But there's never someone I'm like, they are cool. They the... are, their attitude, like. Oh, like, that's like an idol. Like I don't, I haven't found. Oh, yeah. I've never had an idol. That's more of an adolescent mentality, I think. Well, I, like, I was think, once yeah, I think young so. as an adolescent. Yeah, you didn't feel that way as an adolescent. That's all. I think that's a little odd. Not someone you wanted to be like, you know. I didn't have like a very strong one. It was just like, eh. you just wanted to be Tiberius Gracchus. That's who you <laughs> wanted to be. That's who I. 
kind of currently want to be. <laughs> <laughs> say, That's who I am. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I must have had a few in high school that I thought. I think he was he was one actually. Mm-hmm. I had a Hunter Thompson shirt. I wore the Gonzo seal. Fuck oh yeah, dude. I wore that like twice a week in You're high so school. Cool. That was not cool. <laughs> that was not a cool thing. Nah, dude, that's right. No, tight. I just wanted to be a black girl so I could sing, but like an old timey <laughs> French Jew so I could paint, and I got <laughs> neither of those. I mean, you can, you can sing and you can paint. Not well at either though, okay. and not the way I'm trying to. Okay, I think you're good. Well, thanks, dude. I haven't seen your paintings. I've done one, and it was pretty good, but I hated it. You're good at drawing. I don't know. I can, yeah, shit. very different. I don't care. One is carving into the into the substrate. The other is pushing pigment around, which is for fucking pussies. Like, honestly, like if you need a thing between you and the actual product, pushing something around, there's like an intermediate thing. Go fuck yourself. Color sucks. Finger painting only. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about that, man, but cool. Thanks. So, All right. Speaking of heroes... Ab Jones. Ab Jones. The guy who beats up the cops yeah. compulsively. Fucking cool ass dude. A really good guy. And character. then Sutri runs off and burns the police <laughs> cruiser like a fucking G. <laughs> so good. That was probably the best part of the book. And the most exciting. My maybe the well, most exciting. We'll we'll get to we'll get to that. But let's first say goodbye to our feature, Chloe. Bye, everybody. Our prized feature. Oh. You gotta prepare a shtick. Our prize gem. I think I am a fucking shtick, dude. I know, but we're trying to focus more on like, questions around Love the book. That. A pog um, feature. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Bye, guys. Have something a little more structured. <laughs> Do a bit. If you became a, a theorist, you, you'd be Camille Poglia. Fuck I don't yeah, even get dude. that one. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Damn. That's what I'm talking about. That's I don't good. even get it. I loved her saying she was the Susan Sontag of the fucking 1990s. That was one of the best clips I've ever seen. She's got to be just. I want to read all her books now. I have never... one. I just found it at the dump. She's like, a... <laughs> <laughs> me and Troy got nothing. Got it. That was a good joke, though. <laughs> That's all no, right. it's straight up true. Uh, she book. is a ten out of ten, like hilarious person. Thank you. Bye. Fuck Bye. So good. All right, so we're gonna break into um, Satri here, and I'm gonna have a, I have a little introduction for us, so you can get um, oriented to what we're about to talk about. What we're about to talk about. And we're back from large amounts of technical difficulties where our our mic, I think, was haunted by a country radio station. So We should have a little bit of a jingle where it's technical difficulties and just yeah, play like some, good. play a smooth little piece for like 90 seconds. A little weather channel music. Alex, by the way, you have a sick cowlick going on. It's the headset. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. I always have a cowlick going on since childhood. Oh, okay, cool. I'm a cowlicked. Boy. <laughs> anyway, today we are continuing our discussion of Sutri by Cormac McCarthy. Published in 1979, it is a semi-autobiographical tale set in Knoxville, Tennessee. It took Cormac 15 years to write Sutri, and the book was edited by Albert R. Erskine Jr., who was also the editor of William Faulkner. Sutri follows the activities of a country drifter of the same name and, to a lesser extent, the perverted city boy Harrogate. They navigate the urban and rural poverty of Knoxville, trying to fuck, get rich, get wasted, and not go to jail. In this section of the book, McCarthy continues to diversify his scenes, some disorienting, others tragic, others comic. Sutri gets lost on a mountain and almost loses his mind, gets a stake at a pearl-gathering business, and shacks up with a profitable prostitute. 
Harrogate continues his role as a risk-taking moron by digging under the city of Knoxville to rob a bank, trying to mass slaughter bats in order to game a local reward system, and tapping payphones. Naturally, it does not end well for him, and he ends up in the penitentiary. So, I actually thought that this last section of the book was more enjoyable than the first section, partly because I did lower my expectations for what it was going to be like, and I thought McCarthy kind of surprised me with some of his uh, chops. Well, I mean, like the scene with uh, um, Sutri going to the mountain, I thought was really powerful. Maybe my favorite part of the book. Yeah, I thought I, so. Really, I didn't like the mountain part as much. Something I like when he comes back from living with the family because he's been gone like all summer, and like he finds out like four people have been killed. Yeah. So there's there's something kind of I don't know if romantic is like the right way to put it, but the idea of just like just abandoning yourself to everything and just wandering aimlessly you know it speaks it speaks to his uh whatever mental illness he has yeah and i thought that the um i thought that mccarthy did a really good job of describing what it would like to be what it would be like to be insane on a mountaintop you know and then i thought that um one of mccarthy's strengths is his comic dialogue and when Sutri comes in contact with that woodsman Oh, I found yeah. that scene so fucking funny where he has his crossbow and this guy's like, you want crazy son of a bitch? And he's like, oh, what do you got there? A crossbow? And he's like, I want you to sh- shoot it. Shoot it. And he's like, no, I think I'll have it right now. <laughs> but he's just like, are you real? Are you real? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what was wrong with him at that point? He he's, comes down with a couple different things in this book. I think he just he had gone, what, weeks without eating? Or at least a week without food. something like that, yeah. but he just he just left. I mean, sometimes I think McCarthy just kind of avoids the point of decision for Sutri almost all the time. He Sutri just goes and does things, and you kind of have to assume what his motives are. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like you have to assume his motives because they he's almost a non-character. He shows little to no emotion about anything. Towards the end of the book, he comes back to his houseboat which has been sunk and then repossessed and he finds like a rotting dead corpse in it and he's just like chill with it it's just there's no story arc or there's no arc for his character he just is observant and there for it all i don't i don't know if that's necessarily how i interpreted that scene i think he it, it was i think a it was symbolic of of you know there was a corpse in his in his home like i think that was kind of symbolic of like oh, all right this this chapter is over and I'm just going to walk away, which is like a continual theme of the book is this team just just completely just being OK with just dropping it and just walking away, whether it's from his child or from uh, his prostitute girlfriend. Or, yeah, she right, just gets or, crazy one day. He's like, all right, I'm done. Or the pearl gathering business. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that had more of a reason because his lover got killed by those rocks or whatever, I guess. Yeah, but he could have. All right. Um. So we were talking about um, Sutri's like lack of character development. I think was kind of where we were going. We were talking about his lack of decision making. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's just that you don't have any. He doesn't reveal his decisions. I mean, I personally felt that Sutri grew as a character, just not in like a, a a linear way or a way that was obviously discernible as him getting better. Right? He's going through. Um, constant cycles of rags to riches, right? He'll get $300. He'll find, you know, he'll get into this like somewhat profitable pearl gathering business, right? He gets random money at random times, but then he ends up going on some type of bender 
ends up with no money, right? Every time he gets a check, you can guarantee that he's going to go out partying with his friends and then the next chapter is going to be like, and I woke up in a ditch yeah, and I couldn't find, you know, my shoe or whatever. Um, I think that, like, I don't necessarily even think that his character develops is that throughout the book, there are moments where like his inner self is kind of like revealed to you. Like there are moments where you like get a glimpse into like what's actually going on. I don't even know if he really changes throughout the book. Like, it's mostly just like him every once in a while will be like him thinking aloud to himself about how horrible his life is. Like the moment when after he goes out uh, with fucking a prostitute with um, the Pearl guy. Uh, um, the son. Was it, it the son of the family? Richard? No, it was the dad. Uh, actually, I think it was all three of them. And they like spend all the money on steaks. And then, and then yeah, they go to a strip club. Right, and but then in, in the morning after he fucks the prostitute, he, he thinks to himself, "My life." He says to himself, "My life is ghastly." Yeah, as he's like hungover and uh, yeah, he has some really bad stuff happen to him. Like he definitely um, one thing in McCormick McCarthy's favor that I would say is that uh, he definitely hits it in terms of like I don't know. It is very I can imagine it. Some of the gross images that he points out. Some of it's just cool about like drifters in the woods and like being poor and the random violence they face. Mm. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, the best line in the book, I think, is uh, when he says, uh, there are no absolutes in human suffering and things can always get worse. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think kind of sums <laughs> up uh, the whole book, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess so. But it's like Satri clearly has some agency in his own, you know, destruction, right? It's yeah. not, it, it is largely his own self-creation right he has all these opportunities to get out and he is smarter and less um i guess like craftily lazy as harrogate so he he could not be there right but he keeps just blowing it he's college educated yeah uh people try to come visit him in prison his His mother tries to come and talk to him get him out right right and I mean, I think that's like one of the bigger like open-ended questions in the book is like, what is he kind of trying to escape? Well, his son dies after he leaves. Yeah, and like the final line of the book is like implying that he's going to continue trying to outrun something. And yeah. The question is, what what necessarily is that? Well, I mean, if because you know, I don't know, Cormac McCarthy strikes me as a pretentious ass. I imagine that it's you know some grand idea, or at least the cynical version of a grand idea. Um, but I wanted to bring up this quote cause I thought this was, I thought this scene, this scene touched me the, like, I guess the second most, right. So like the mountain scene was something that I found very powerful, but after he leaves his, um, prostitute wife, girlfriend or whatever, and he ends up back at the, um, the houseboat, um, he's sitting in his houseboat, uh, or rather outside kind of talking to himself. And I thought that this scene was quite good. So. Um, he opens up and he said, um, this is him talking to himself. He says, supposing there be any soul to listen to you died tonight. They'd listen to my death. No final word. Last words are only words. You can tell me paradigm of your own sinister genesis construed by a flame and a glass bell. I say it was not unhappy. You have nothing. It may be the last. It may be the last shall be first. Do you believe that? No. What do you believe? I believe the last and the first shall suffer equally. Parsi Pasu. Equally, it is equally. It is not alone in the dark of death that all souls are one soul. Of what would you repent? Nothing, nothing. And I thought that was, you know, I mean, he adds the French in, which you know I butcher or whatever. But 
I thought that this idea that he's really trying to grapple with sort of the pointlessness of living um, and that life is only suffering. And, you know, why wouldn't he go get wasted and, you know, waste all his opportunities? Because what do you get if you don't? Yeah, he's like purposely shunning like the pretensions of like upper class society like he grew up in. Like his father, I guess, is the 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 idea of like kind of like a successful man who is proper in the world and he's like he's it's kind of like his lifestyle is like an is a when does he talk about his father i don't really i don't remember through, that piece throughout the book they talk about how his father is is wealthy and that his mother is from lesser stock right mm. and like his uncle visits in the beginning of the book who's the drunk is his mom's brother um i don't know just like throughout the book, it's kind of occasionally mentioned. Um, I I see why that he is just so cynical about things, like because he shows it to us well in descriptions of stuff. But I don't know. There's no kind of reasoning behind how he or why he feels how he does. It's just here's how it is. And I wish that since he's basing this so autobiographically on himself, like just take it that extra step. I feel like he at some points just tries to impress you because this is autobiographical somewhat. But then other times it is just really striking. Like he probably saw that. The most disturbing scene that I remember is he talks like waking up on the river. And then this is after the family has just moved in. And there's like a dead baby that floats down the water. And it had been in the water like three days. And he said the skin came off like tissue paper. And I was like, oh, yeah, like he probably actually saw that. That was pretty dark. Like, that was so crazy. I think that's probably real. I mean, the imagery of, like, the river itself being filthy. Yeah, so is, polluted. Like, recurrent. Like, constantly. It's oily. It's bubbling. It's There's condoms in it. He references condoms multiple times for some reason. There's a dead baby. There's, during the floods, there's trash coming down. There's people, um, though, morons like Harrogate, who are trying to dig under and he hit like a sewer line yeah <laughs> just that's a great scene just blood and guts and like explosions all under the city he's like destabilizing a bridge area yeah let let's let's shift the you know because i think that this book is you know it's half you know the world's you know life is suffering you know all of this very kind of uh disorienting existential terror and half hilarious and Harrogate represents mostly the hilarious part. And I think one of the funniest scenes in the book is when Sutri discovers that Harrogate is trying to to break into a bank by digging under the city. And <laughs> Harrogate uh, attaches like dynamite, I think, right to the, the side and then blows it up and is, you know, basically like, you know, should be left for dead. Right. Harrogate yeah, he almost kills himself. Yeah, I mean, the only reason he gets out, and this is actually kind of the turning point for me liking the book, is when Sutri goes and finds Harrogate. Because um, there's something about just a completely shut-off character that is not engaging for me for a long time. But Sutri actually goes and looks for Harrogate. He's asking where Harrogate is. He's concerned about him, and he goes into this cave, and it's kind of like a interesting scene of Sutri going deeper and deeper into this cave, and then he eventually finds Harrogate and... Uh, and saves him but that whole scene where Harrogate you know is going under there and such he's like are you sure you know is this really what you want to do and um and then you know he the whole wall caves in and stuff I thought it was really cool that was a cool scene I mean that's kind of a theme of the book too is there's all these 
characters, these like insane people or kind of the dregs of society that he kind of seems to feel a little responsible for uh, from the rag picker who he promises to burn his corpse yeah, from, to the um, train guy who he visits and always is checking on, you know, who ends up in the mental hospital to the, um, oh yeah, to Ab Jones, who he always is checking on after he gets in his scraps. Well, they're always the just like hanging out and chilling. They're all wandering around the city. It's like, oh, hey, come back here later today. He's like, yeah, I'll stop by. And then he just like wanders around downtown and comes back like three chapters later. Yeah. Like, hey, how you been? Good. But he, he does always express concern for how they're doing, especially. Yeah, they care about each other. Yeah. Like, it's an interesting thing that Sutri is always doing the rounds, checking in on these people. But they're all, you know, they're all surviving together, right? Yeah, yeah. they do it for him, too. A lot of yeah. people check in on him. The train guy, when he comes back after being down uh, on the clamming river or whatever, yeah, yeah. the train guy comes through. And so does the ra- the ragman, or no, no, the uh, junk man Yep, comes by. What wasted. about the guy, the, like, prophet that had goats? Is that the trash man? Uh, No, the prophet of goats is just in, like, one scene. I just thought that was so weird. Recur. The Indian was cool. The Indian was a really sick character. I, I really thought, liked him. I th- I loved uh, McCarthy's description of uh, dressing a turtle. Yeah, that was that was pretty fucking that wild. Was something else. Yeah, how to make turtle soup. <laughs> what did you guys? <laughs> what did you guys think about the man on the corner who would scream from his window? <laughs> I mean. Like what was he? To, why was that character included? And like, what was the significance of him constantly screaming at Sutri that he's like a sinner? I mean, I don't know if it's significant. I think this is just like all these individuals sort of build the world, right? Yeah. And the you know what actually brings this story to a conclusion, right? Is you know I guess finally Sutri with his typhoid, right? Is kind of like a you know it's a good way to end the book. Not that he dies, but you know he moves on, but. As the story goes on, you know, people move out of Knoxville, um, they die, right? They're shot or whatever. They go to prison. A lot of people um, go to Chicago. Yeah, and so the the city for Sutri is kind of empty at the end. There's not really anybody else for him to stick around for. Hmm. And so he goes, you know? And they're tearing it all down to build a highway. Right. Yep. Industrialization is occurring. You can't just be a bum on a river, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Got him. God damn that capitalism just uh, developing, taking away a man's living. Yeah. You can't just lounge. I just, it always gets me that he's a fisherman and he's just, you're right. Every scene describing the rivers, but how disgusting it is. And he's constantly catching and selling fish out of it. Yeah. He pulls his livelihood from a river of shit. Good stuff. He catches a lot of fish in the book too. Yeah. Talk about at least like five to eight catches. Yeah, and it's kind of like the houseboat, like the river is a very comfortable place for him. It's where he always goes back to, right? Mm. He goes he goes out, you know, on the Pearl thing and comes back to there. He goes um, and goes to that weird apartment in Knoxville, you know, where he ends up meeting that prostitute um, and becomes probably the wealthiest he's ever been, right, as an adult. Yeah. And then yeah, he ends up like going three, back. Yeah. $3,000 in the bank at one point. Yeah, it was Which big was money back a then. A lot back then. Yeah, Reggie he spends it all. Does it mention what is she spending it on? No, he he buys he buys the car. I know, but then yeah. she comes back and she's lost a lot of money one time. Oh, I think that's because she got arrested and had to pay bail. Yeah, for being a hooker. Yeah, and then she freaks out later yeah. on. Not at that. Not in that scene. A later scene over nothing. It's interesting. Well, I mean, 
She didn't sound like she had the best life. Yeah. I know, but it's like she was pretty stable with him. Like, all right, we're building a bank account. I got this. And then she was like, nope, mental breakdown right now. Happens to the best of them. And then he just jumps. He's like, nope, I'm out. Yeah, he just drops it all and walks away. I mean, I think that's like part of the thing, too, is like he keeps like accumulating all this like, you know, like material goods, like comfort. And it seems that he's still just this empty. I mean, they were in a pretty ratty apartment in the city, though. It's like he describes the wire beds and like all the stains on the walls and stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have to be there, though. It's just you where rent they were it comfortable. by the week. His yeah. standards don't seem to be too high. No, no. Yeah. Um, so another thing I wanted to bring up was um, the role that the seasons play in this book, which I thought was pretty stark. Um, you jump around between sort of like maybe the the stories where you don't notice the season is, you know, probably spring and fall, right? There's not a lot of talk of discomfort, you know, weather's pretty nice, but many chapters take place during the winter in the summer, right? And I guess in Knoxville, Tennessee, it's really fucking cold in the winter because they're talking about it like it's fucking freezing. Um, yeah, well, I, I think it gets down to like the 20s. Oh, yeah, fucking God, such such a bitch ass. I know, but I guess you don't know real cold till you've been living in New England, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I don't think we got many people living in uh, houseboats out here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Our homeless people—they uh, live out in the streets. No, because they're homeless Not in the winter. They'd be dead. They go to the hospital, right? Right, or the or in jail. The um, yeah, what did they? Well, I mean, they've got there's a bunch of different options, but uh, yeah, they have options. I mean, not good ones. Right. But, <laughs> nah, but like dudes are not sleeping outside when it's negative 10 out. Yeah, that's true. Or they'd be not up here. straight up dead. Rip. They do in the south, though. People just sleep yeah. out. Oh, yeah, dude, you're telling me. I was just in Austin last week. Yeah, dude, there's yeah, a lot of There's a lot of those guys down there. Dude, when I was in Houston last time, like you go through the under the overpasses, like 45, and it's just homeless encampments. Yep. It's even... Is even worse in like San Francisco and stuff. Yeah, I've never. Well, I maybe went there when I was a kid, but I've never been there as an adult. But I've it's gotten really it's bad. Yeah, I'm sure it has. And of course, you know the biggest like liberal city in the fucking country. You know they just put them all in camps. <laughs> FEMA camps for the homeless. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Damn. Um. But yeah. So the the seasons play this like very looming role in the story they obviously decide whether Sutri like makes his living as a as a fisherman um and most you know there's like these very i don't know relatable scenes where he's um where they're trying there was that one scene where the guy was um uh trying to light a fire in the back of the fucking car oh yeah he like wakes up and there's like (laughs) an ashy mess in the back seat yeah and they're just like, we're just trying to get warm. Just waiting for the bar to open. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a real. That's a really good scene. Yeah, the part oh, where it's winter is just brutal because he go, when he goes and gets that apartment, and he's just always wandering around the streets. I think that's when he wandered into the black brothel and tried to crawl under one of the beds, and he just like vomited, and they had to kick him out. Like, oh, yeah, right, that was enough. Get out of here. Yeah, he gets that was really during wasted. That was yeah. during winter. And like, but like, also in the winter, like he tries to like make sure that um, Harrogate gets set up in an apartment, you know, or yeah. not an apartment, but like a he tries or something. Yeah, right, is. right. I wanted to talk about um, the role of the police. Like, I think that is one of the most interesting takes is his thoughts on 
like law enforcement in general. Mm. Like, I mean, they're like a force of terror. Like, yeah, there's, there's vagrancy laws. Like he has to be worried about not having walking around with cash on him. Yeah, there's just I don't know base cruelty about random stuff, mm. just enforcing laws that don't need to exist. Like it's not illegal to piss a cop off. Yeah, I mean he's like having to avoid the cops just because he's walking home hungover. And I, I'm assuming, and it's never mentioned, but I'm assuming that Tennessee was a semi-dry state because like they can't buy whiskey at a store. Yeah, it's also just if you're poor. He's also with black people quite a lot. That's and, true. I mean, most of his friends seem to be black, and they get beaten up on a lot. Yeah, they. Do. I mean, everybody gets beaten up on equally, but I like that Ab gives it back to him though. Yeah, I mean, like he Ab only is, he gets it at the end, but yeah, they murder know. him. Yeah, but they talk about like how you know. Like, every fucking cop is a black eye because they go after him. The whole city of cops. Yeah, I mean, Ab yeah. is such a heroic, like, mythical character. He's fucking cool. Like, this massive man who just, like, has to fight every cop. And just that whole scene, you know, where he's, like, choking one of the cops out and, you know, they're trying to get at him. And you can just imagine this fucking, like, you know, pudgy southern fucking cuck just, you know, going at him. And he's... He's There's given it two to him. Or two and three of them later yeah, on. And it, yeah, and they have to bring the whole goddamn police force to bring him down. Yeah, they bring a paddy wagon to get him. Yeah, such as driven the car off. Uh, yeah, he into dri- the river. Yeah, he drives it over and then just <laughs> lets it go into the river. It was fucking cool. Such a sick scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, I think you know, I mean, it's just part of being part of the dregs of society, right? You're going to be over policed. Obviously, all these people had criminal records, right? Some of it maybe you know, bogus, but some of it definitely not, right? They're, you know, the under unemployed, whatever. Um, So, I mean, that's the reality for people who either don't have jobs or can't get jobs, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's hanging out with criminals. Yeah. He is a criminal. Oh, right. Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, he's a straight up criminal. He tries not to be, though. He was drunk. That's yeah. what is the yeah, line where like you explain yourself and he he just goes I was drunk <laughs> <laughs> like that's his explanation to God himself it's like <laughs> I was drunk <laughs> fuck he only does mess up like three or four times in the book though a lot of times it just happens to him but happens to him but he does slip up a couple times yeah and like I guess it would have been you know he gets his big like jail stint is before the book starts right or it's kind of like. Yeah. That's like the yeah. first good part. Right. Yeah. Actually, when the uncle visits is the first good part. That was mm-hmm. the first hook. I was like, okay, I want to find out about the family. Yeah. But then you never really do. Like, he goes back, he sees the son. It's like, so he just up and left one day. And the wife was there. I Was she pregnant or did she have the baby? I don't know first? if it ever says. Yeah, I don't know if it says. But he's just like up and leaves. Yeah, he bailed on her. So it's like when life was good because they were married in his 50s. It's so weird. It just never explains why he drops out, and I want to know why. I mean, I think that, you know, I don't know if I agree with it, but I think part of the allure of Sutri, definitely like the, the book itself, comes from this ambiguousness, right? We're getting all the effects of all of this trauma, or whatever we want to call it, that Sutri goes through, but um, because Cormac leaves it unexplained, or at least only like vaguely implied, we can get I don't know. It feels more of like a person that I would know, right? Like a crazy person. I don't really know what that crazy person is thinking, but um, seeing it through their eyes, right? And these very differentiated, but um, well delivered stories is uh, 
I don't know, it's a good way to get you thinking about what it would be like to, you know, be living day to day, you know, trying to kind of um, act on your impulse for simplicity or um, quiet, right? But unable to get it. I mean, I don't know. I'll ask you guys, is, is that impulse to just bounce? Is that not something that you guys have ever had in your lives? Oh, I've had it all the fucking time, dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's something that like most men can relate to. I think there's like an aspect of that that maybe we don't even want to admit because it's not a good thing. So you're saying evolutionarily we want to pump and dump? No, maybe culturally. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's it's as it, I don't think it has anything to do with romantic relationships, honestly. Sure, yeah. I think it's more to do with like when you get out of your responsibilities. It's it's avoid yeah, exactly. And it's it's also like being so alienated from like the base things uh that help you subsist. Like he's not a he's not running from catching fish and making a a meager living. He's not he's not running from the actual things that he needs to like continue living. Generally, except yeah. for the mountain part. But you know what I mean. Like this isn't a man who's like, oh, I'm just going to become catatonic and depressed and lay in bed and read. Like that's not his response to hating. I don't know responsibility. Sure, yeah. You know, you know what I mean. So he's mm-hmm. not running from those. It's no. interesting. Yeah, but he he is running from the. The social expectation. It's social, yeah. It's external. And I guess he sees his relationships with the rest of the, you know, vagrants as, you know, more valuable or a way in which he can have a kind of community that doesn't come with all the extra bullshit. He does have some good friends, though. Like, T-Bone is a good good guy. Yeah, in that, that's like the weirder thing is that like he clearly feels a sense of responsibility for Harrogate. A sense of responsibility for the rag picker, for Ab, for all these dudes, because like he... I mean, he puts his neck out for Harrogate the most, obviously. But even like the rag picker, he's always like, oh, you know, hanging out with him, bringing him a fish, and they'll burn your corpse. <laughs> Fucking love Yeah, his that. dad's corpse that he's been hiding for the... Uh, oh, that guy. Uh, for the social security money. That was that was a cool-ass fucking subplot. Then they got to dump him in the river. Yeah, that was good. Weigh the body down. God damn. Yeah, Man. that was a fucking weird part of that fucking story. Yeah. They just... They brought over, well, who was that guy? I don't even remember his name, but yeah. Yeah, he they, was just one of the random guys in jail. There was like a post-jail, oh, everybody right, got out at yeah. the same time. Okay, yeah. And they all started drinking together again. Yep. Yeah, so his father, right, died, and uh, because his father died, they weren't going to get welfare checks anymore, and so they kind of just like, didn't want to report that he died. <laughs> and so they left his corpse in the fucking bedroom for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then um, he comes to Sutri and is like, uh, will you help me remove the corpse? And Sutri's like, no, I will <laughs> not fucking do that. And then eventually um, I think Sutri's shacking up with some Yeah, he's some getting hoe. his dick sucked. Yeah, and yeah. Then, like, he he's mid-sex. Yeah. Mid-sex. Ugh. And then unforgivable. He, and he's like, I have him in the back of the fucking car. <laughs> I d- he's I, like, I, you fucking. <laughs> but he doesn't that. even care. He's just like, fine. He begrudgingly no, says it. No, he was pretty. But mad. he's like, all right, let's just do it. Yeah, but he does it. Still, I know, yeah. but he does it. I want to ask you guys, like, you know, if I brought a dead man in the back of my car, would you help me out? If I would put him in the river at my house, yeah, would you help me? I guess so. I'd be mad. You'd be mad, right? But you'd do it. Yeah, I'd be really fucking mad, though. (laughs) I'd be so mad. Oh, man. Cool. That's good to know. I'll keep that in mind. God, I shouldn't have said that on the 
stupid podcast. Uh, that music, maybe it was from the FBI handler. I know. Oh, Dude, they're they're listening. I keep saying things I shouldn't say. That dumb fucking cunt. He <laughs> listens to goddamn country music, like yeah. pop country. Yeah, grow grow some musical taste. Yeah, get some loser. Yeah, FBI loser. I bet you're a virgin, you fucking douche. <laughs> Got him. He's like, oh, I fuck my wife. I'm married. <laughs> yeah, I do too, bud. <laughs> fucking got him (laughs) imaginary guy yeah be cool to fucking cuck your fbi handler (laughs) oh that would be so cool Uh, that actually would be pretty good that'd be good that's a good good plot good plot idea so i mean overall thought the um well do you have it sorry troy do you have any other uh additions before we kind of like close this out we've been going for a little bit right um i just wanted to think or get your guys' impression of what you thought or how much McCarthy put himself into the role. Like how much was it autobiographical? Cause I feel like he's very gratuitous and like he's self-serving a lot. I almost feel like he's some more similar to Hemingway than he is to Faulkner in terms of that. It reminded me of that a little bit. I think that I wouldn't disagree with that. He's impressed with his own writing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I would say I honestly, I would guess minimally. I would say that he grew up in Knoxville, so he knows the town really well, and he probably hung out sometimes in McAnally Flats. But I, I don't think many of the uh, events of the book were real. I think maybe so, just some of the characters were people that he knew. I'm sure he knew a guy like Harrogate and a guy like Ab Jones, but I don't think he encountered any of the, the horrors. Yeah, I don't think he lived like that for very long. I really doubt it. I've read a little bit about his life, and I know he lived kind of a remote life in like a cabin in the woods, but I never got the impression that he was a city rat. I was going to say, doing that urban, though, that's different. Way different. Way different. Much harder, I would say. I mean, Much more dangerous. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, to navigate those social situations is not obvious. They're, you know. But I did want to say that, you know, I didn't enjoy McCarthy's prose any more than I yeah, I didn't enjoy them the whole book is basically my point. Um, the the parts that were from Sutri's perspective. Yes. it His dialogue is fucking on point. It's funny. It makes me laugh. It's good. You know, but if he goes on for more than three pages with his, you know, expositions, I did find that if I read it out loud, it was more enjoyable. Um, there is kind of, he does seem to have a good sense of um, the sound of what something will say, but because he uses... And he tries to use so many different kinds of nouns and adjectives to kind of um, fill his prose. It makes it so difficult to read along with. I would agree with that. I think it's definitely the weakest point of the book. And I felt I definitely kind of felt like my eyes were glazing over during it. I found it more impressive the first time I read it, maybe like nine years ago when I was younger. I can see someone feeling in, in awe of it. Right, and I don't think that makes him a bad writer. And I think if you really, really paid attention, you could get something good out of it. Um, but him, he doesn't just—he dis- doesn't like disorient you for um, like as a way to like the reason why the mountaintop scene was interesting was because it sat between two very um, social chapters, right? So there was this contrast there that was interesting, and I could kind of get into the. In not very uh, con- 
lack of concreteness right in the mountain scene but not every scene was like that and so you know we just go on and on and on with you know whatever such whatever such he's seeing or going in it going on in his head and it i don't know it fell flat most of the time um but i thought that the story itself right once it became clear to me that it's kind of like a collection of short stories about suchery right yeah that's a good way to describe it yeah i agree yeah um i could kind of get on with it because it was just like okay i don't like this particular short story and then i could have that end and i could start another one um and most of them were pretty good i'd say i did end up enjoying the book at the end i don't know that i would say it's a good book just because it is like so (laughs) hodgepodge i feel the same way about this as i did about journey to the end of the night like the writing is very good but the plot's like not really about anything this is good but it's not really doing it for me um, but I did enjoy the scenes because there are more variety or there's more variety, like you said. Um, overall, it definitely is enjoyable at the the typhoid scene. He starts to like wax so poetic again. And I don't know. He just definitely gets off on a tangent. It's like he is some sort of like artistic crazy. But I think it would sound better as poetry because the prose is just like, oh, woof. It gets thick. Not that you guys have... Um... Have you guys read the Brothers Karamazov? Yes. Not yet. Yeah. Remember the, you know, the Inquisitor? Yes. Yeah. That's kind of what I wish he would have ended the book on. You know, it's like a big, it's a big, big, long poem. Um, And that's kind of the vibe, right? That McCarthy's giving. He's writing prose in poetry. And if he just like leaned into that a little bit, you know, that form, it would be a lot easier to digest. But, you know, he doesn't because he's whatever. It is interesting. Like, I don't know if... So, I, I was trying to... Like, it's been so long since I've read any of his books, aside from this. But I don't remember if all his books are like this. Do you know what I mean? Have I want to read the the scalping one. That sounds Yeah, cool. I want to go back to oh. Blood Meridian. I would read Blood Meridian. I feel like Blood Meridian is like this for the entirety of the book. But I don't... I might be wrong. But they're scalping. I mean, it's It's like, a Wild West story. It is like the most violent thing I've ever read in my life fucking cool dude. it's supposed to be like ap- apocalyptic and it's like scale it's intense you read it no i want to read it yeah we could read it sure whatever i mean we're not gonna we're not, not gonna right read it now soon. hell no. no next week let's talk yeah. about what we have coming up yeah yeah, yeah. let's yeah, do yeah, that yeah. okay so any final thoughts on such read before we move on i think it's a charming book i think it's very fun to read i agree that the long pieces of prose are the weakest points my eyes kind of glazed over probably cut most of them out or at least cut them down to maybe one third yeah but uh, I just the dialogue is so good and the stories are just like engaging and funny and I resonate with wanting to bounce on all of life, life's responsibilities and just be drunk by a river. Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe that's why I, it's a book that I really like. It resonated more with me at like 21 than it does now. Um, I mean, I want to read it again in like three years. It was, you know, I listened to it as an audio book after mm, reading interesting. it on a road trip. And I really, I think that's why I liked it so much because I listened to the audiobook and I was like, this is great. I was also extremely depressed at the time. That helps, man. I was going through a it breakup does. and I was like driving like pretty much up to Canada and Maine. I listened to the whole thing on the trip. Fuck yeah, dude. And it, it hit, you know? It's, I mean, I think that this this book definitely, like it's a would make a great audiobook, right? Because you don't actually have to fucking pay attention all the time in order to figure out what's going on, right? You can read a chapter, whole chapters, quote unquote, because it's not divided into chapters, but sections of the book, they're totally self-contained. 
you wouldn't have to have listened to it or read it in order to understand what's going on. And something about that is just like is is cool, and I think it's I think mm-hmm. it, it probably is a good book to finish our Southern Gothic unit on because it draws from elements in pretty much all of the other books we have read. I think purposefully so. It kind of distills that down to a bunch of different vignettes that are kind of thematically different, but you know are tied together with Cormac McCarthy's kind of navel gazing. It's the most modern of them, for sure. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it literally was published earlier than the other ones, yeah. Later. Or, yeah, later. Like, much later. Like, we're talking 30 years later. But Jesus fucking Christ, when I was reading the Wikipedia article about um, Sutri, like, they were saying he was, like, rep- reminiscent of Flannery O'Connor, and... I mean, talk about like a fucking fifth-rate Flannery O'Connor. Like, <laughs> man, yeah, you dude. No. People talk a lot about how he is like the successor to to Faulkner and O'Connor. Jesus Christ! I mean, maybe Faulkner, no. but like, I mean, definitely with the fucking long strings of prose, Faulkner. I don't yeah. like Faulkner, but, but Flannery O'Connor, like, get the fuck off, dude. I don't know. I I kind of think that that is true if you look at specifically his dialogue and his characters. The failed successor. The preface being the failed part. I think that actively comparing authors as like the successor of somebody is a sign of a bad reviewer of books. Mm, that's I fair. Agree. I agree. I, that's um, good. But, uh, you know, obviously that's what he's going for. He loves Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, he he leans into it's that. Obvious. Yeah, he, it, and I think, like I, I mentioned in the group chat, I think Harrogate is kind of an homage to Tarwater and the uh, the a, a character in Wise Blood as well the other novel she wrote i have one little thing to add as we wrap up so i was going to go to canada over memorial day but my back is probably still going to be not good so i'm going to go with my best friend to dc and like travel to virginia battle sites that's sh- so cool sick we should have uh we should do something on shelby foot briefly Please. Briefly. We can get, um, well, so he's written novels that aren't the Civil War narrative history, so we can read one of his novels, which generally are like around or about Civil War. But that's a beast. We could do that in probably like three or four months. We've talked about it like three times. I am game. You're game? Yeah, why not? I will read it again. It's worth it. Okay, let's do it. I don't like rereading. Maybe we can finish this. So- Go ahead. We'll f- so this project is is finite that we're doing. It is not. We're going to be doing it for the rest of our lives. But we are going to have phases. Yeah. We can maybe do two or three more units, two more units. Yeah. Do the Civil War, which is uh, honestly a fitting bookend considering we started with uh, the French Revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then move on to my idea about of American the history, yeah. mm-hmm. a, de- a book a decade mm, and an overview good. of American history. That's that- a good one. That's a really fun... Uh, so do you want to start American fu- history at like the uh, Independence or at Jamestown? I don't know. We'll have to talk about That's it. That's going to be rough trying to find stuff written by the colonists. Yeah, that would be rough. We could find some English stuff, though. True. Yeah. I mean, we could yeah. do English stuff up until Let's the Independence. Let's do 1492. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. But I don't want to read Spanish shit. Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's... Ooh, enchilada. We talked about doing like religious Ooh, texts. tacos. I wanted to put on like the Epic of Gilgamesh. Like I should mm-hmm. have read that, but I never have. It's not that long either. I'm, I'm game because that's one of the oldest books ever. I was actually, my, yeah. so my initial suggestion was going to be, what if we just did a book, a, uh, a, a century, a book a century going back to like whenever the Epic of Gilgamesh was, was it 2000 
BC. Uh, BC. We'd have huge gaps, I think, but maybe we can go to because we could switch to India and there's like a, a Baghdad Davida or whatever. Bhagavad Gita. Whatever their crazy fucking religion. But, no, but they, they, got, they got Garvita. Anna got a Davida. They've got one every ten <laughs> years. A Vita Gadangu Lokes. <laughs> So we're going to do two or three more units, and then we'll do the Civil War narrative history, and then we'll enter in this new phase of doing a American book a decade. I mean, if we want to. I think that's a cool idea. I like that a lot. And then, But here's my other thing is that after we do that, we can do France from the founding of the Republic. Fuck yeah, dude. And then we Ooh, can end baby. on Welbeck. <laughs> and then I was thinking- Did you could... pick that theme just so you could end on Welbeck? <laughs> Maybe. And then we could do Poland. <laughs> Poland, okay. Yeah, Poland. History of the Republic of Poland, 1918 to 2022, whenever Fuck we're yeah, ready. Dude. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. And then we can just do different countries. Yeah, from when awesome. But only from when they become republics. So right. We, we don't support yeah. monarchies. So England will never do because they're a bunch of fucking Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we got to do British oh, Adventure. Oh, yeah, that's a good And point. that means we can never There's read Orwell, good which is British Adventure. Orwell CIA. That's true. I love like Twitter idiots. And he takes. outed what uh, Stalinist homosexuals or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the famous Stalinist homosexuals. <laughs> Such a big demographic. Huge. Anyway, so that's a great idea. Um, and before we get too far ahead of ourselves, um, our next unit is going to be um, sci-fi. Foreign, gonna... foreign sci-fi. Foreign we're... sci-fi. Yeah, we're going to do foreign sci-fi. Um we're going to start off the unit with a well-known book, um, The Three-Body Problem, endorsed by George R.R. R. Martin, um, the fucking uh, Barack Obama. Hugo Award-winning novel. Yeah. Published by Tor, a really reputable book publisher. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And what's the guy's name? Shishin Liu? Yes. Yeah, Shishin Liu, The Three-Body Problem. It's a trilogy, too. There's two more books in the series. So word on the street is that the sequels are very bad. Okay, well we as won't many are. Yeah. We'll we'll stick with the three body problem for now and then we're going to try to st- we're going to try to stay within like a, you know, 3 to 4 books per unit right now. So yeah. um, we're going to do this. We're going to try to pick out something of like a, a Soviet era sci-fi um and then what? Eastern European sci-fi? Yeah. I I vote Greek sci-fi. Because I've never heard of a Greek sci-fi book. Fuck yeah, The Cuban stuff looked really cool. Oh, the Cuban stuff did look good. Because that guy has like four different ones. Yeah. That could be cool. So, um, the three-body problem is our next one. We're going to read, what, half the book? It's big print, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We'll make it a two-episode just in case. Definitely a two-episode, but yeah, we'll read about. How many pages are there? 500. Yeah, we can. No, wrong, 400. Yeah, we can read 200 pages. That's That's big print, so. Yeah. So 200 pages for next week. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll see you next time. Hit us with Rex for books. Yeah, hit us with Rex for books. Um, oh, yeah, the Book Nerd Hotline. It's one nine seven eight two five five three four zero four. That's one nine seven eight two five five three four zero four. Have a great night, everybody. Bye. Good night.